What's up, y'all? This is Ramel Watley, and welcome to Truck and Hustle, the podcast for trucking entrepreneurs. If you want to learn about the trucking industry from the business side of things, you're in the right place. Every week, I interview the people who are making it happen on a daily basis. I get them to share their successes, their failures, and sometimes even their secrets. The goal is to show you how you too can create financial freedom in the booming trucking industry. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. So roughly right now, we work with about 25,000 carriers, about 2,000 or so out of Atlanta area. Um, We saturate the Southeast region, so we have a strong coverage in the Southeast region. Got you, got you. So you kind of get into this flow. You said you did six hundred what eighty what six hundred eighty two thousand dollars in four months. In four months by myself. Wow. I'm bidding on five hundred loads for a year, but this port outgates in one day thirteen thousand containers or thirteen thousand truckloads a day. Right. It didn't make sense right. to continue to be <laughs> full speed ahead in a freight brokerage. Turn my mic up. You? Take there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on the road to the riches. Life takes a toll like bridges. Good friends become foes and snitches. Better watch who knows in your business. Let's get it. Hustle fam, hustle fam. We are back. We are back with another amazing episode. Listen, y'all. We got a special one today. We got a really special one today. I hope y'all got your ears on because we're about to go to class. We're about to learn. I have Miss Hope White in the building with me today. Um, she is the CD- CEO, excuse me, CEO and founder of HD White Logistics, freight broker, freight forwarder, warehouser, right? Dredge, right? Minority owned businesswoman. Right, man, you so so much going on and so much that we got to get into. But first of all, Hope, welcome to Truck and Hustle. Thank you. For, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on your show. I've heard such great things about Truck and Hustle. So let's do it. All right. All right. Well, let's do it. You heard it, y'all. We about to get into it. All right. So Hope, I just now, you know, kind of rattled off a bunch of things that you that you have going on. I'm sure all this didn't happen overnight. So let's kind of start from the beginning. Where where did your your love and your passion for transportation start? Talk about it. So um, let's go back to the to the baby steps. So my background is supply chain, manufacturing, and distribution. Um, I was with Home Depot for five years. Um, piloted the first opening of the direct fulfillment center in Locust Grove, Georgia. Um, did that for about five years and. About the second or third year in, my husband purchased a truck. And so just as most stories go, um, wife starts helping the husband dispatch. And oh, my gosh, I realized that what I'm doing at work, which at work, I was transportation um, and in leadership. I realized, oh, wait a minute. I do this at work. So <laughs> let me let me try to figure out how I can do this on the entrepreneurial side. And that's exactly what I did. So December 2016, HD White Logistics was born. Okay, got you. So you started with Home Depot and you worked there for five years. What, how did you get started with Home Depot to begin with? What made you uh, get into this career path? So actually, my background prior to Home Depot was law enforcement. Um, oh. I was a police officer. I was a police officer <laughs> for seven and a half years. Okay. Um, gang task force was one of my roles. Gang intel. Um, did a little 
little bit of everything. But as you can see in the news, law enforcement has over time gotten worse and worse and more violent on both sides. Okay. And so I transitioned out. I actually took on a part time job at Home Depot in the store and from the store transition into the warehouse. That's interesting. So you really didn't go there with any expectations. It's just kind of like a, a transition from law enforcement. Yeah. Look, looking for something to do, kind of, sort of. Yeah. And then you kind of started finding finding your way, finding your niche. Absolutely. Looking for something totally different than what I was currently doing. Okay, got you. So so y- y- your husband buys a truck. What made yep. him want to buy a truck? Where'd that idea come from? So my husband purchased a truck. He's been in uh, warehousing for about 20 years. He was actually maintenance there. And he okay. comes from a family who owns their own truck, trucking companies. And so just keep it real. He said, I see all the money they making at the racetrack every week. Well, I'm trying to figure out where they're getting all this money from. And it came from the logistics industry from trucking. So he purchased a truck. Um, he was tired of being in the warehouse as well. And that's how he got into the business. And so he's been doing very well with it for the last four years. Um, and now he's purchased his second truck at year four. Okay. So you said when he purchased his truck, you started helping him out, dispatching, helping him look for loans. Yeah. Talk, talk a little bit about that. Cause yeah. I guess that's kind of like your transition into the, into the industry. Yeah, right? that's my transition. So at Home Depot, my role was vendor compliance, inbound, outbound, um, carry compliance, make sure we had enough equipment on the road, um, load planning, making sure that the freight was able to be received into the building per the system, like EDI compliance, which is electronic data interchange, all that kind of stuff. And so when I started helping my husband, it was very easy for me to pick up, you know, point of origin, point of destination, um, what the brokers were requiring. I was just like, this is so easy. I do this every day at work. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm giving the brokers the work. And so um, just on a, I guess you could say like a leave of absence I took, um, I started dispatching him and fell in love with it. Um, I started dispatching him on the Monday after I took leave. And that Monday by me dispatching my husband, because before he was dispatching himself, he was averaging probably about $4,500 to $6,000 a week. The Mm. week that I dispatched him, he made $12,000. Oh, wow. So what, what, what? I what did you, what did you, what did you do different? I guess that's what you get into. What, I was, I was, I was ping pong him everywhere. Like I understood the customer needs. I understood how to contact the shippers and get them unloaded quickly. I understood how to line his routes up so that he could easily transition from one route to the next route. Um, and then also bring him back home. So I was able to do that because that was my job every day at work. So it was very easy for me. So since I noticed that I said, Oh, you can make tip, you can make 12 bands in a week. Right. Oh, let, let's run it. You know what I mean? Let's do it. Let's do it. No so, doubt. So with me doing that, my next question came the following week was, why are you only making 12000 mm. Because I understood as a customer, us tendering the loads or issuing the loads to the carriers, what my husband was making was significantly different from what Home Depot would pay for a load. Wow. And so I was like, oh, we got to figure out how to, you know, what to do. And I said, well, what do you got to do to be a broker? He said, I just think you just got to pay for the license. I was like, nah, (laughs) can't be that easy to a million dollars. Can't be that easy. Right. right. And it it literally was that easy. It literally was that easy. Wow. So so you said you said when you got into dispatch and you fell in love with it. What did you love about it? Um, I love the ability to create my own workday. 
Um, I love the ability that I was um, helping my husband be successful in his business and also helping our family be successful Um, with dispatching. It was more it's more of a communication thing. So you got to be able to build relationships and communicate just as it is in all of logistics. And so I do that very well. And so that allowed me not to be uh, restrained by. Uh, performance metrics and all this stuff, I can just create my own relationships and reap the benefits of, of it at the same time by getting paid for it. Got you. From that point forward, how long did you stay with Home Depot? Oh, you're going to put did, me did, out there like did, that. Did, did, you, did you ever go back from your leave of absence? <laughs> oh, did you ever go back? <laughs> or so, you still <laughs> absence? So we just want to tell that all the Kool-Aid. Okay. So so I took a leave of absence in March. I literally was stressed out. Like the work-life balance was ridiculous. Um, I was working 16, 17 hour days, um, going in at two, three o'clock in the morning, getting trucks released. It was just ridiculous. So I definitely had that stress on me, but I took a leave of absence for about six to eight weeks in March. Got married and had our wedding in Jamaica in April. And came back from Jamaica April 28th, sat down at HR's desk, jokingly said, if y'all don't get y'all shit together, I'm out. <laughs> jokingly said that. Right. Y'all, I don't know if I can cuss, but. Go ahead. Do, do you oh, think? Okay. Do you think? You good. You good. <laughs> I don't know if y'all, y'all don't get y'all shit together. I'm out in 30 days. That's exactly what I said to them. Okay. And 30 days to the day. Um, I got into it with my manager at the time, my operations manager at the time, who sucked horribly. Mm. Um, he was one of those managers that creates toxic work environments. Okay. Um, rather than him step up to the plate, he just created issues, little small fires throughout the office. Um, and so 30 days to the day, I told HR, listen, y'all got to do something. I can't keep dealing with this. I'm carrying a department. It's getting out of hand. And it's like, oh, you're going to be all right. It's going to be okay. Just right. be patient, all of that crap. Meanwhile, I'm having headaches. Um, my hair is starting to fall out. I just had twins. It was just a lot going on. Right. So 30 days to the day, I came to work, walked in. I remember it was so pretty because I got out of the car and I said, damn, I should be fishing. This is because I'm, <laughs> I'm a country girl. So I said, okay. damn, I should be fishing. Okay. So I get out of the car and go in the building and as soon as I get in, something that I had fixed at two o'clock in the morning, he had messed up. Mm, the same manager. Same manager. And there okay. was no empathy. There was no respect there. And he was just misogynistic. I mean, it was just horrible for me as a female. So I said, OK. And so I called one of my good girlfriends at the time. And I said, listen, I can't do this anymore. And I was bawling. I was crying. And she said, listen, get yourself together. If you can create their build their dream. And, and help them with their vision. Why can't you do it for yourself? You've already created the business. You know who you are. You know what you can do. You know the business inside and out. Right. Leave. And at the bare minimum, you go find another job. Mm. And so I sucked it up after I blew out about, you know, four or five rolls of tissue crying because <laughs> I loved my job. I loved it. I loved it. Um, but in that moment, I walked in at eight o'clock by 845. I had cleaned my desk cleared my laptop, cleared my cell phone, walked to HR and gave them a letter that said, please. 
All right, guys. Truck and Hustle has now partnered with Transpo CFO, powered by Venning. Transpo CFO offers a streamlined monthly subscription for businesses to consolidate their accounting, payroll, and tax needs into one flat monthly rate, saving businesses a tremendous amount of time and money while making their financial operations much smoother for the long road ahead. Check out Transpo CFO in the description below and tell them Truck and Hustle sent you. Now let's get back to the show. Accept this letter of resignation effective immediately. Thank you so much. Wow. I didn't wow. give them opportunity to call me back into the office and go through all of that foolishness that we have. I didn't give them time for that. When I yeah. stepped across the door, I knew I had made the right right decision. Wow. That's awesome. And you said you had just had twins, right? I had just had twin boys. Yes, you correct. Had j- just had twin boys, new marriage, mm-hmm. all this stuff going on. And now oh, you leave your job. Now I'm leaving my job. Were, were, were a you good fearful job. at all? Like, like, yeah, a no. good job, a good paying job. Talk to me. No, like, no. So I'm a cancer. So my personality is when I do something, I'm in it. It's a wrap. I'm, I'm fully committed in it. I don't do no step back. So okay. I was like, if I'm going to jump, I'm going to jump all the way off this cliff. No parachute. Okay. Okay. Dope. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. So you start dispatching you and your mm-hmm. husband, right? Yeah. Y'all start doing y'all thing. Talk mm-hmm. to me about how that goes. How long are you doing that for until we transition into uh, the freight brokerage? So actually, when I left Home Depot, I was already a broker. So I started dispatching my husband um, in March, playing around with it. But I had already acquired the brokerage, but didn't know exactly what I was doing with it. Got so you. I just focused on the dispatching side. So okay. I left Home Depot. Um, when I left Home Depot, I had already gotten an office that I was not going to. I know this is just that was me preparing had an right. office, desk, computer, software, everything. And I was just going to the office every weekend, like, one day I'm going to be in here. One day I'm going to be in here. Right. I mean, it just made you're, sense. You are role playing, you know? Yeah, I was role playing. <laughs> right. Just trying right. to soup myself Pro- up projecting. quick. Yeah, yeah projecting. Sure. One day I'm going to be in here. I had logo up on the wall, everything. I was just like, you know, I know God is going to put me in here when the time is right. But it wasn't God. It was me. I needed mm. to put myself in there. No doubt. And so... When I quit and I walked out of Home Depot, I actually walked di- directly into my brokerage. Um, and I started brokering from there. Um, I took two days off. I was well, the weekend. So I took Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And Monday, I started showing up in my office just like I would at Home Depot. Wow. Wow. Okay. So now this is just you, right? No, no team yet. No, no, no employees. Teams, no employees. Okay. Um, you're still, you're still uh, dispatching your husband. Yep. And now you're freight brokering. And now I'm freight brokering. Correct. Okay. So how do we get customers? How do we get shippers? How do we start connecting? Talk about that. So now you're really asking all my Kool-Aid. But <laughs> <laughs> so before I left Home Depot, let's just say, you know, I had a lot of resources available mm, to sure. me. A lot of resources right, right, right. available to me. So before I left Home Depot, I actually had acquired one client, but I had no business with them. So that pumped me to understand how I need to get my next client. So Monday... I started cold calling, which most freight brokers do, cold calling and emailing. Um, and I remember in my cold calling emailing that when I was in transportation, when a carrier would reach out to me, I would reject their emails because it was crap. Don't sell me shit. Mm. Um, just come to me what you're going to be able to do for me. That's what's going to catch my attention. OK, you know that I'm having problems on this Dallas to Miami lane and this carrier's late. I need you to tell me I know you having problems with this lane. So I started emailing like that. Got right. you. Immediately started getting response by Thursday. I had my first client. How do you figure out what the problem is for the particular shipper? You need to pay attention to your competitor. You need okay. to do your research. Um, most go, most into ca- go into that. Okay. So um, 
most carriers and or brokers are already working with their competitors. That's how they end up getting the business anyway. But what you're not doing is paying attention to why or what the issues that that broker or that carrier may be having on those specific lanes. So, for example, if you're having problems with OTP or OTD, on-time pickup or on-time deliveries, then you need to be keeping a a note on how many times your brokerage is late or how many times that carry is late for pickup for your customer. So you go to that customer and you say, listen, um, I know such and such brokerage is not providing you guys accurate capacity because we're the gap fillers and we have X amount of resources that can come in here and keep you consistent where you don't miss your service metrics. You got to be able to have those conversations and be comfortable in the services that you're provide that you provide. Got you. How do you gain that confidence? Um, Knowing who you are as a business owner, knowing who you are as a service provider. I think a lot of us go into the business for the money aspect of it, but not really understanding that you have to be excellent service provider. You got to be in this, not just for the money. You got to be in it for ultimately the relationship with the customer. Got you. All right. So you 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 get your first customer outside of the you know customer the relationships that you already built. Talk to me about that progression a little bit. How do things you know next yeah. couple months next year? Talk to me about that. Yeah. So my first client was a local client. We did pretty good volume with him. And when I say we, I'm talking about me. Um, first four weeks he was all right. He was good. Um, I made about ninety thousand dollars in four weeks with him. Um, and then my second client, which was my bread and butter, came um, June 22nd, my birthday. Okay. Um, and I remember because I was in New Orleans and they called me and said, send us 10, 10 trucks. And I said, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you don't want to tell the client no. Right, you know, right, I was right, like, right. Uh, she was like, this is a big holiday sale. We need you now. And I was like, wait a minute. I just met with you last week. Right. I went on vacation because I thought I could chill like that. You know? Right, right, and right, she right, right. Was just like, no, I need you now. And I was like, hmm, laptops in Atlanta. I'm in New Orleans. What the hell do I do? So I right. freak out. So I said, okay, no worries. I got you. Um, just give me a minute. Let me get my carriers together. And so I asked my husband for his laptop and I had no resources. Like I couldn't remember my passwords. Right. I mean, it was horrible. Like I'm calling his dads and uncles and cousins. Like, can y'all, can y'all just go out there, please? Can y'all just go out there? And they were like, no, we out of, and it was on a Friday. Right. They're out of service hours. They coming in for the weekend. They like, right. uh-uh, we not going. 34 hour reset. They ain't going nowhere. Oh God. <laughs> like I'm, I'm spazzing. So I, I, emailed on Friday and said, listen, I don't have anybody today. She said, okay. Then I emailed Saturday and said, hey, I don't have anybody today. She said, okay. And then Sunday, I crafted an email that told the truth. I said, listen, I'm really excited to partner and work with you guys. But let me be honest. I'm on a birthday trip in New Orleans. I will not be back to my desk till Monday. Can we please send somebody to you guys on Monday, Tuesday? She said, no worries. That's fine. Mm. Enjoy your birthday. So I did that. And it was actually a miracle with Kroger and uh, Forest Park, Georgia distribution center. And she asked me for five drivers Tuesday and I sent her 10. And then she asked and every time she asked me for more drivers, I would double whatever. I mean, they would literally be like, hey, you sent it too many. (laughs) (laughs) Too many guys out here. But from that contract, um, my business was able to make six hundred and eighty two thousand dollars in four months. From oh, that wow. from that particular client. 
Wow, that's dope. Where where did all the drivers come from? Where did where did the carriers come from? So here's the thing: no drivers, please don't get upset with me. But drivers talk, okay? They mouth run like that wildfire over there in California, and Colorado. Okay, <laughs> they just talk, okay? Right, right. And so when you treat your guys with respect, you pay them well. I think that with me being new, um, my perspective was I want to treat guys right. I I was looking at how my husband was getting treated by the brokers. I didn't like that. So if the low were paying, for example, $425, um, I would pay the guys $385, where most brokers would probably pay $315 or $325. Um, I knew where my profit margins needed to be for me to still be able to eat and pay my overhead. So I could stand to give my guys a little bit more. So being that I was doing that, I built a lot of, I built relationships with a lot of carriers very quickly. Gotcha. So, so word of, word of mouth, word of mouth, word of mouth. Said, oh, so she, oh, hope, hope is paying over there. She paying. Yeah. Yeah. Word of mouth. Um, I went to the truck stops. I handed out some flyers. Um, I put some signage out on the interstates where I knew guys were heavily traveling or coming off of the exits for, um, truck stops or whatever. I would put little signage there. I would knew, I knew cold enforcement was going to come get it, but I would still put it there. Right. Um, that really helped me build up my carrier profile. Got you. Got you. So you kind of get into this flow. You said you did 600, what, 80, what? $682,000 in four months. In four months. By myself. Wow. Yeah. And, 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 and at the end of that four months, how did that feel? Oh, it felt great. It felt great till I hit a hiccup. If you want to keep it real, I got Let's recourse. About I was factoring at the time. Mm. And factoring is when a third party entity comes in and purchases your invoices because you don't have enough cash flow to run your business, essentially. Right. Um, and so I was factoring. And again, I'm new to business. I've always been an employee, not an employer. Um, and so factoring, um, thinking that's the way to go for my finances or whatever. My client, the top client that I had at the time, mm. um, our invoices got flagged for sending in duplicates. And so actually out of all of those invoices we were doing, there were about three or four that a few carriers had slipped in. Mm. And so the young lady, I had brought somebody in, the young lady that was processing invoices at the time did not realize that there were duplicates and she submitted those. Right. And so they flagged us for, um, submitting duplicate invoices and then when they did that they stopped paying up to 120 days gotcha with the factoring company and so the factoring company put us in recourse and by this time we'd acquire four or five other clients and now we're not getting any revenue wow so what'd you do i cried That's one, that's, one, that's, that's one way to handle it. Oh, my gosh. I cried because I didn't understand. I didn't know what to do. Um, my initial reaction before the tears was um, what I knew from Home Depot, which is to be an email assassin. Right. So I got on the email and I'm all this stuff and attaching all these documents and this and this and that. And then I'm requesting meetings. And then by the time I got in front of the client, I was pursu- um, uh, painted as the angry black woman. Cause right. I don't went in on the emails. Okay. Right, um, right, right. and then we found out that I was incorrect, um, mm-hmm. that we had submitted some duplicates. Um, we did get that cleared up. We were still cleared to run out there. However, the relationship was damaged because I did not understand at the time. It is not the relationship, uh, between the, the client and the factoring company to clear it up. 
it's between you and the client to figure it up, figure it out because the contract is between you and the customer. That factoring company don't have anything to do with your business. And so my factoring company, along with me, were both hitting the client with, you know, legal threats, legal attorneys are involved. It was really bad. It was really bad. Um, And so um, when I realized that the recourse was going to stick and the relationship was damaged, I cried because Mm. it was a mistake that I had made. So fast forward. Honest mistake. Yeah, honest mistake. Honest mistake. The recourse lasted for about eight months, um, and that meant eight months that the factoring company took to get their monies from the client. Um, in the meantime, they're taking monies from me. Any clients I'm factoring at that point, any loads I'm running, only person that's getting paid is the carrier. Right. And so we did not come out of recourse until June of um, 2019. And from June of 2019, Till October 2019, I did not pursue any clients, period. Wow. Because wow. I wanted to learn how not to ever make that mistake again. Right, right. How did how did you maintain during that time personally? Personally, I'll just be 100 percent honest. My credit score went from like a 690 to 400. Right. Because do now do. yeah, I can't I can't no longer take money out of my business to pay my personal bills. I can't afford a paycheck. I had to scale the team back that I had, which was four people at the time. Only it was just me and another lady. Um, it it just got really tight for the next eight months. Um, trying to understand how to get it back, and then I'm all about energies, so I'm a believer in the law of attraction and okay. chakras. So I just was just like, I cannot put my hands and my mind on anything until I clear all this negative energy. And so it took me, it took me about six months and I got everything together and now we're back on track. Okay. So let's talk about the road back. So we, we, we get back. How, how do we kind of climb back? What, what talk about that a little bit? So one thing that I realized um, from the recourse and from all of that process is that I was not as educated as I thought, although I worked at home Depot and Home Depot worked work with me and they sent me all around the country for training and new startups at new facilities and implementation teams of new DCs. I didn't know crap when it came to business as an entrepreneur. Mm. And so I immersed myself in any free trainings that were available, any webinars, any um, any gross. I took a growth smart program with uh UGA, Small Business Development Center, any programs SBA had, like I was just the, the, the junkie for business um, literacy for business owners, small business owners. So I find out about finances, um, marketing, um, building relationships with your customers. Like I just completely immersed myself in that for about six months. And that's what helped get me back. Get me, it helped me gain my confidence back. Um, it helped me, um, understand that it was okay what I went through. Um, I was not supposed to be perfect in business, although I was somewhat air quotes, perfect at home Depot, (laughs) but over here at HG white, I didn't have a legal team behind me. I didn't have an accounting team. It was just me. And so, um, with that, that's still not an excuse for me to fail, but for me, an excuse for me to, or a better step for me to exceed. And so that's what I did. Got you. And in, in, in doing, uh, you know, this, uh, I guess we call it personal development. What did you find that you were lacking the most? Um, 
Um, communication. Uh, when times are when you don't understand some things, although I communicate very well now, like you can hear me talking very well, and I can you know, all yes, that. Ma'am. Yes, ma'am. But when it came time to when there were issues in the business, I communicated with my emotions, and that's a big no. Mm. I realized at Home Depot, I communicated um, with my emotions. I remember my team used to tell me because I had a team of seven or eight. Um, and my, my associates in the office would tell me all the time, oh, oh, there she go. Keyboard assassin. I'd be over there beating up the <laughs> keyboard, you know, and I and it's just something that was a learned behavior. OK, so communication with emotions. I had to take that out when dealing with business. Um, the second thing was understanding business finances. So, you know, profit and loss sheets, financial statements, um, um, balance sheets, understanding how to do invoicing, payroll. I didn't know those things. I was just kind of finagling it. Okay. Um, Marketing my business, how to market my business as a logistics provider. Um, And then understanding how to be confident in selling myself or pitching my services to my client and then being firm on who I am as a business owner when they push back as a black woman in logistics. So got you. Yeah. Yeah. Got you. Was was it was it easy to focus on that type of, you know, that, that type of fundamental stuff when, you know, obviously you still have to make money. Right. So how do you how do you prioritize that in front of, hey, listen, I got to take a step back. I got to make sure these things are in place and put the money kind of to the side. Right. Right now. Talk. Talk about that. Right. So it was very difficult. I'll be honest. It was very difficult to say. Cause I, I, there was a certain, there was a small bit of fear that, I, okay, if you don't make money, you're going to lose your business. Okay. But one thing that I did know to do was keep my overhead low. My overhead has always been low in my business. So whether I had a client or not with the monies that I had saved and then the money that my husband was bringing in, I still could pay for all my expenses for my business. So I actually could take a step back and do what I needed to do. Um, but for me, it was more important to me to come back correct and not be in a position that I was in eight months prior again in business because this is my dream. This is my passion. And for me, there is no other way. I'm not going to work for anybody else, period. No doubt. No doubt. Mm-hmm. So 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 just to give us give us an idea about your business now, where it's currently at, but how many carriers do you work with now? But how many shippers just roughly? Yeah. So roughly right now we work with about 25,000 carriers, about 2000 or so out of Atlanta area. Um, We saturate the southeast region. So we have a strong coverage in the southeast region. Um, Right now we're working with about uh, eight customers um, here. Um, Some in the Midwest, some in California. We have some in Atlanta and then we have some in Illinois and PA as well. Got you. Do you, do you find that it's it's a better practice to focus and hone in on a, a smaller amount of customers and get m- more turn out of them, or do you think you should spray, kind of spray and pray and get as much customers as you can? What what what's your philosophy? No. no. So you know, my other aspect of business is I teach and I consult those in business with logistically speaking online or hopewhiteconsulting.com. I did just plug my business on your show. I just did that. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with that. We just gonna get to it anyway, and we're gonna we're gonna get back to it. But it's cool. 
You'll get back yeah. to it. But I did just plug. But yes, um, one of the things that I teach my clients, uh, my students, is to please have a niche coming into this business. Um, understand a specialization and how that can help you grow your business very quickly. Our specialization at HDY Logistics is retail and grocery. Um, we work with dis- we support distribution and supply chain. Okay, that is our specialization. So with that, I know exactly how to service my customer. I know what the expectation is from my customers from a service perspective. Um, I know what equipment is needed. I know how the equipment should run, all of that good stuff, because I'm specialized in that specific market. Now, you asked me to talk about dump trucks. I don't know one thing about a dump truck. Right. Right. <laughs> That's not my thing. So I always tell students and I always myself, don't be trying to be all over the place. You don't you, if you don't have a direction or a path or a vision or a business plan, you'll be all over the place. So when you're coming in and talking about brokering freight or even hauling freight, if you know exactly which direction you want to go, you'll know exactly who your customer needs to be. You'll know exactly how to market to that customer and you'll have consistent revenue. Got you. And how did you find your niche? Um, my niche just, just comes off my background, which is retail. You know, Home Depot is um, home improvement retail. Um, our biggest competitor, and I'm still talking like I'm at Home Depot. The biggest competitor <laughs> is, I, I love that job. I'm just telling do, you. Do, do you. Do you sometimes answer the phone and say, hello, Home Depot? Hope. I no, mean, I'm sorry, HDY. <laughs> no, I still don't say that, but honey, I love Home Depot. I'm not going to tell you no story. That was a great company. Yeah. Um, but no, I still... You know, my background there was retail. And so the largest competitor for Home Depot is Amazon um, and Wayfair, of course. Um, But nobody can touch Home Depot on the home improvement side except for Lowe's. Um, And so with me understanding my role there, it was vendor compliance. So I dealt with a lot of the packaging there. I had uh, understood a lot of the customers that Home Depot does business with. And so I can understand how those trailers need to be loaded um, how the freight needs to be stacked in a warehouse, it needs to be racking, doesn't need to be bins. All of this good stuff comes into play when you're talking about being a freight broker and in warehousing or cross docking. And so with that, that has helped me specialize my niche. All that training and experience that I had helps me specialize in my niche. Got you. Do you have employees now? Yes. I how, have, how many employees I have do you have? Four. 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 Okay. At what point did you think, what what point did you realize, sorry, that it was time to start hiring and, and kind of growing and scaling the business and hiring employees? Um, When I'm answering the phone out of both ends, per se. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> when I'm, when I'm, when I'm, when I got emails coming out of my, just everywhere, like it's just ridiculous. Um, That's when I knew I needed help. And then um, there was one thing that I learned during my training sabbatical, I guess you could say, um, is that I don't know it all. I don't know it all. And I need help to grow. I, I only have two hands. So when I'm trying to grow, I need other aspects. Um, I need um, help to help me grow. And so that's when I brought in more people. And now HD White has two managing partners as of April of 2020. No doubt. What do you look for in a, in a hire, an employee? Um, honesty and integrity. Um, that's the biggest thing for me. Uh, logistics is a very, um, a very money-driven industry. Um, all about cost on the customer side as well as you. 
Um, and so when people come into your office and your space, they see you with all these dollars coming in. They're not really understanding what it takes to make the money and where it needs to go and all this good stuff here. So people can be jealous and envious of you in your space and be just there to learn what you know and then try to go start their own business or try to steal from you. And so I've been burned not one time, not two times, but three times. Mm. So first thing for me is honesty and integrity. Um, education or an experience is number two. Um, and number three is the ability to build relationships and to be treat people how you want to be treated. No doubt. No doubt. I like that. All right. So you're also a certified um, woman owned business, minority owned business. What, what's your certifications? Yeah, we are certified minority through Georgia Minority Supply Diversity Council or National Minority Supply Diversity Council, whatever you, whichever one you want to choose. We're certified women business enterprise through WeBank, Women Business Enterprise National Council and Women Owned Small Business um, through WeBank as well. And then we also have Smartway Transport Certification. Got you. How does those, how do those certifications help oh. your, your your bottom line in your business? Oh, man. So <laughs> um, with paired with my experience and my training, uh, these certifications have been a God sent for me. Uh, God sent for me. Um, so, for example, I literally said in the beginning of my business, I don't need them certifications. I'm a black woman. I'm not paying nobody for, this, for somebody to tell me I'm a black woman. I'm not right. paying for that. That's crazy. I don't understand right. that. That's right, crazy. Right, right. That's ignorance, too. Okay. Mm, mm. So what I had to find out was I needed those certifications because these two organizations, they are excellent in education for women-owned businesses or minority-owned businesses, creating networking environments that are organic, that you can come in and talk to some of the companies that you would like to talk to that normally wouldn't speak to you because of you being a small business. So those two certifications um, take you through a very strenuous interview process where they're all up in your Kool-Aid. They want all your documents. Um, They want to make sure that you are the person that's running the business, operating the business, um, honestly, and not you just trying to get a certification on a piece of paper. Right. Um, those certifications uh, allow me access to corporates and to businesses um, that I might not have had the opportunity to work with in the next five years. And I've had it, you know, fairly early on in my business. So it puts gotcha. me directly in front of those corporates. Um, and I've just been networking my ass off. I ain't gonna <laughs> 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 Yeah. So no we doubt. got some good business out of those. Okay. Okay. I love it. Um, let's talk about what I want to go to next. Okay. Um, warehousing, right? Mm-hmm. How, how do we get to warehousing from freight broker? <laughs> at what point? Was that the next step? Was that the next transition or am I skipping something? So no, you're right. You're right. Okay. So, um, so go back, um, April of 2019, I take a tour of the Savannah port. Um, don't know why and how I got to the Savannah port, but I take a tour to Savannah port and I get over there and I am blown away at what I see. Now mm. you got to understand from my perspective, it's not just about, um, containers from my perspective. It's an advantage 
to be on the front end of the freight before it even reaches the distribution and the manufacturing facilities. Let me get my money on the front for it split and cut with the manufacturers and the distributors. So that's what I seen in my perspective. Once I got to the port, I was like, so you mean to tell me I'm bidding on currently lanes that have 200 loads a year or 500 loads, or even if it's a thousand loads a year, and I'm now visiting a, a business or the port that is outgating 13,000 containers in one day. Mm. I'm bidding on 500 loads for a year, but this port outgates in one day 13,000 containers or 13,000 truckloads a day. Right. It didn't make sense right. to continue to be <laughs> full speed ahead in a freight brokerage. Um mm-mm. didn't make sense at all. So for me, it was what do I need to do to get that type of business? What do I need to do? And so I began to do my research. And of course, I already had the skills. I just needed to pivot. So I started networking in spaces that would allow me to now scoot over to that niche. And hence, I met my contact literally 30 days after I made this decision in my mind. Here we go with that 30 day thing. I'm <laughs> I'm a master manifesto, honey. I promise you I am. In, I love 30, it. I love in 30 days, I met my contact at the Georgia Logistics Summit. Um, uh, and I'll call her name. Her name is Hannah Mullins with the Candler County Industrial Third uh, Authority. And I sat next to her unintentionally. Now, you got to be talking about over 2000 people in one room. You can sit wherever you want to sit. No, you know, and I just sat by her. And for four and a half hours, we cut up. We had a good time. We talked trash. We talked about business. Talked, I mean, we just had an organic, natural time. Um, after the meeting, I just kind of casually said, yeah, I came here to meet somebody from the port. And she said, you what? I said, I came to meet somebody from the port, but I, I don't see it. She said, oh, that's that's economic development director. Right that's my friend. Let me introduce you to him. Oh, wow. And so she literally walked me to him after the uh, meeting was over and said, hey, this young lady wants to meet you, blah, 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 blah. And so after he got through talking to everyone, he met with me. And then 30 days later, I had my first meeting at the port. And so when I got to the port, man, it was just like, okay, now I'm going to be from a millionaire to a billionaire. Right. It was just next level. (laughs) It was just next level for me with the current skills and experience that I had. I was just like, wow, that's crazy. So I asked the poor, I asked a lot of questions. What is needed? What's needed? Because I know everybody's doing dredge. I know everybody's doing inland transport. What is needed? Which direction are you all going? And what can I do as a small business owner to put myself in line to, to reap some of these benefits or some of this business? And they told me you know? And so I was like, okay, sure. And so I took it back. Um, and then I just started going to other trainings, other networking events, putting myself in place with people, um, researching the land, researching the counties that surround the port that's going to reap the most benefits from the port. And the location that I came up with that felt best for me and my family was Candler County. Now, fast forward. Um, Hannah Mullins, the young lady that I sat next to that introduced me to the port, 
when I met her, she was Banks County uh, and economic development director. Okay. When I said I'm ready to move to Metter, she was somehow now Candler County's economic development oh, director. Wow. And oh, so wow. I called the port and I said, hey, I'm looking at a space down in Metter. I'm interested in it going. And he said, oh, well, let me call Hannah and see if Hannah can help you with that. I said, Hannah, I thought she was in Banks. No, she's in Candler County. Hmm. I said, get the <laughs> out of here. Okay. And so he called her and that's how we got to Candler County. We don't have a warehouse space yet, but we do have 10.65 acres of land in the Candler County Industrial Authority uh, Park mm. there uh, for commercial container storage and yard storage there. Um, and there may be future projects on the horizon that I'm not at liberty to discuss. Right. But we right now we've started with 10.65 acres specifically for storing containers because there is a great need for that as well. Wow. Wow. Well, first of all, congratulations on that. That that's really dope. That's really awesome. How do you how do you get I'm you know, I'm I'm just listening to your story and I'm like, how do you get the 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Just the the balls to just say, I can do that. Like the, the, the next level, because that, oh, that's, that's a whole my, nother, that's a whole nother level right there. Oh, that's oh. in my DNA, honey. Listen, <laughs> let me tell you something. Listen, not only do I say I'm going to do that, I'm, my partners have to slow me down. Now, see, this is where the partners come in at. Cause see, hope or just go get something. Okay. Yeah. So not only did I get the 10.65 acres of land for the commercial, um storage but i bought 15 acres of land for my personal home i'm gonna build a home with we're already looking at another seven acres and we're looking at another 20 acres for this and so my partner's like hey slow down let's do <laughs> calm down but it's in my dna it's who i am um my story is um just to get a little bit personal here my mom was a drug addict my mom was crackhead she was felicia on friday you know okay you got some okay. change um i'm not ashamed to tell nobody that's just my story and my dad i don't know my dad um i was adopted into an affluent family um in a small community but um it's just i as a child i never received that love and whatever all that crap there so coming forward as a business owner I set myself up to say um, nothing can stop me. Okay. Mm. So throughout life with a challenged childhood, I've just always said, okay, if you survived all of those things, your mother being on drugs, a verbally abusive household, um, being a single mother at 18, straight out of high school, all that good stuff there, then what, this little shit up here came. This is no barriers for you. This is nothing. This is only in your mind. Okay. If you can, can survive the physical and then now you're here. Those are, I don't see, I don't see nothing. I don't see, I don't see the white man. Cause you know, this is a white male dom- dominated industry. I yeah. used to hide behind that. Hell no. I'm, I'm who I am. I know my power. I'm an educated sister. I'm an experienced sister. I know the business. I well, I researched the business. I can talk the talk, walk the walk, provide the same services as my competitors can. So why be fearful? I can do whatever they can do. And so that's mm. who I am. And that's what that's what 
I embody every day. Have you felt that, though, being a black woman in business? Have you felt that uh, male, white male? Yeah, shit. Talk talk about that. Tell tell me about the story when 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 you felt that and you had to overcome um but overcome that in your business. Let me tell you, I ain't gonna tell this customer name because I'm on a I'm on I just recently I just on board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We good, we good. Yeah, I just recently on board. I'm gonna give you two stories. And I hope this open opens some some ears and some eyes to this two stories. First story is I've been trying to partner with Kroger uh DCs straight on for four years ever since i got blocked with the recourse and we went through all of that but they messed up with that particular dc i've been trying to go straight to kroger now when i was working with kroger the first time i was working through americole logistics which is another 3pl but i knew kroger dc so i said let me go straight to kroger they're gonna appreciate me because of the service that we was providing they need someone like me on their team wrong they have what they call gatekeepers, okay? I have checked every box that Kroger requires to onboard, but the same excuse I keep getting is we don't, we're not doing business with any new brokers, but yet new brokers are still being onboarded every year at these particular DCs. So there's one particular gatekeeper that no matter how, how many certifications I obtain, how good I look on paper, how much insurance coverage we have. We have over $12 million worth of insurance as a business right now, as a brokerage. Um, still not enough for her to see the potential or even give us a small opportunity. We've offered to fill in gaps, um, be that provider that in the event her larger carriers fail to meet service, we're there. Still not allowing us. Um, we've even went through the supplier diversity team. And ultimately, some of those teams are only in place to say they're meeting a quota. Um, and so we just have given up because she's a white female. Um, and she keeps saying, well, you got to be asset based. We're, we're going away from brokers now. Nobody's going away from brokers now in this market. <laughs> right. Everybody's running to brokers because brokers are filling in the gaps. That's just what it is. These larger carriers, these asset based trucking companies are over capacity. They can't keep up, okay? And that's where that's these brokerages are coming in place, okay? So miss me with the bull crap that, you know, you're not going towards brokers. That's not true. That's the first story. The second story is um, I was onboarding with a large um, client um, who told me that their brokerage spend is $700 million. That means for their transportation, $700 million of that is brokerage freight, not asset base. There's a difference. Right. Okay? Of that $700 million, they're only brokering to two or three brokerages, Coyote, C.H. Robinson, and TQL. They do not have any diverse minority brokerages in any of that $700 million I just told you about. So when we bid it, they told us we were too high. There's a certain amount that companies set aside called a diverse spend for minority businesses. So even if we were too high, you still got to put some coins over there for us, right? So how can we be too high for money that's set aside for us? And you don't, and you told me you don't have anybody in that slot. Oh, wow. 
Does that make sense? Not to me. Not at all. Okay. And then the third thing is typically when I'm onboarding with clients as a minority or diverse company, we're required to provide capability statements, financial statements, profit and loss sheets, financial sheets, our certification documents, um, our coverage maps. I mean, we're just asked for shit that's just ridiculous. <laughs> and 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 you you'll go get all of this stuff still to be told your prices are too high or we're not taking on brokers brokers at this time. Mm. And that's not just dealing with brokerages, that's dealing with asset-based minority women trucking companies too because I partner right now with two females who both own six trucks each. They own these trucks. They're not leasing. These are their trucks and they're still not getting callbacks. They're still not getting uh lanes, getting awarded lanes. Wow. So what can we do? Well, you keep knocking till they let you in, or you create your own. And that's what I'm doing. I'm creating my own. No doubt. No doubt. Mm-hmm. Man, I love it. I love it. I love it. I, I'm 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 getting chills over here listening to that story, man. It's- <laughs> That's crazy, man. I mean, I mean, it is because, you know, like you said, you, you, you've done so much, you've educated yourself, you have the, you, you, you have all the requirements, all the criteria, right. you check every box and still, still you know, no. there's someone there in place to try to keep you out. It's false wall. That's what they're called in the industry. They're called false walls. I mean, they'll, they'll knock you out of the box. Like I tell my students, they'll knock you out of the box for your company name. That's why I tell my people, stop putting these names on your company. These old I don't want to call none of them names on this show because you got a lot of followers and I might offend somebody. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Some of these old, it's just like when we were in school. I mean, it's sad. And 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 and, and I know some people probably be like, well, I don't, I'm not worried about them. I'm still making my money. Yeah, but they still in place to open the door. Okay, because even if we're in position to help, we're not helping. Right. We're not, we're not even sourcing us. So let's keep mm. it real. We're not even mm. sourcing us because you don't want us to mess you up, make your name look bad in the company because you ain't ready to quit your job. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. That's crazy. I saw I saw something on your social media about a, a hemp load the other day. What, what was that about? Oh, yeah. We're moving. <laughs> We're talk moving talk to me about that. Moving a little hemp, you know, a little something. So since um, we recently moved, our, we have a second office in Metter um, for the container storage. We have submerged, emerged ourselves in the uh, agricultural community here. And so one of the crops that we recently were able to move was hemp. Mm. So we moved our first truckload of hemp. We expect to move a couple more here in the next coming days. But yes, we moved a truckload of hemp. How huge do you think that opportunity that opportunity is um, like with hemp and, and, and cannabis and all that? Like, do you, do you think that's going to be a huge opportunity for, 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 for carriers in, in the future? It's been a huge opportunity for carriers. Now, we just have not paid attention to that niche market. Again, mm. we're too busy on low boards thinking that's business instead of being in the client spaces and find out what services they need. So you're not going to find hemp on a low board. Mm. Okay, you got to understand your markets, you got to understand your commodities that surround you and how they need to be moved. So yeah, hemp is and cannabis is definitely a uh, highly needed logistics market for for one of two reasons. Um, There are certain 
permits and licensing that's required to move hemp that you need to do your research according to your state to find out. Um, the growers, their role is just to grow it and harvest it. You know, they have not done the research or if they have, um, they want you to come in ready to provide the services for them. Um, so in the, I'm not familiar with like Colorado area and all of that, but I do know like Texas, Mississippi, Oklahoma, Georgia, Alabama. Yeah. They need some logistics for hemp. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. I definitely get on that opportunity for sure. Yeah. Um, so what, what, what are you doing these days for personal development? We talked earlier about how you got yourself to this point. What do you do for personal development now and, and disciplining yourself as a businesswoman? So I do yoga and yoga. I'm, I'm okay. big on meditation. Sitting in okay. my thoughts. Yeah. I'm, I'm a avid fan of Deepak Chopper. Okay. So I meditate quite a bit. Um, and personal development is I write affirmations to myself daily. I, and I'll tell myself quite honestly, I'm proud of you. Gotcha. I'm very gotcha. honest with myself. Dope. Dope. All right. Now we mentioned a little bit early, you talked about, um, you, you, you do some men- mentoring, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Talk, yeah. Talk about that. What, what made you decide to start mentoring other, other people and talk to me a little bit about, about that. We're going to keep it real. Keep it real. Keep it 200. 200. I ain't want to, I ain't want to mentor nobody. I, it wasn't cause I was trying to be greedy or anything like that. It's just that you putting somebody else's success on your shoulders. And so I wanted to focus on my, even though I'm confident in my own abilities, I didn't want nobody to say you messed me up or whatever the case may be. Right. So initially I didn't want to consult or train, but my husband kept pushing me because what was happening was when I was dispatching him, him running his mouth, he telling everybody, Oh, she got me this, this week. She got me that this week. And so guys kept calling me saying, can you teach my wife this? Can you show my wife this? Or can you show this person this? And I was, my husband was like, you got to start charging him. Like <laughs> have these conversations for free, right. you know? And so, um, that's literally how I got started in training and consultation. Um, again, I didn't want to, to do it, but I really do enjoy it. And I love it. Uh, my students can tell you that we just did our last course of 2020, um, with logistically speaking is the name of the training program, logistically okay. speaking. Okay. Um, and we just did the last one of 2020. Um, I actually had someone from a supplier diversity program, take my course, um, she's been in the business for over 30 years and her response at the end of the course was, you're not charging enough and, um, I'm gonna need you to rebrand this because this mm. is not what you, you, you selling yourself short. <laughs> mm, wow. That, that, that speaks volumes. Yeah, that speaks volumes. So, you know, um, we really, we really, we really target students who are just getting into the business. So like startups, or even if you're in the business, you're not understanding how to scale or you're stagnant in acquiring your customers, understand how your books need to be. Because one of my partners, she's former uh, compliance, risk compliance with Bank of America of 10 years. So we have a special a specialty in our in our company where we can help you manage your books and understand that from a logistics perspective. Um, we really have created a program that is centered around smaller business owners being successful in supply chain and logistics. 
And so we're very excited. We're very um, grateful to have this program and just looking forward to what it's going to do here in the future. Do you cover mostly freight brokerage or do you kind of like cover like a? No. Okay. No. So talk about it. So my, my freight brokering course is literally like day one, day two, two days of freight brokering. Um, And then the next two days, you're going to go through warehousing, cross stocking, transloading, becoming a factoring company, um, equipment sales and leasing, understanding commercial purchases from a commercial real estate development for logistics. Uh, we talk about drayage, inland transport, like we go into logistics, mm. um, climate control, storage, marketing your business and logistics, bidding and understanding rates and negotiation, understanding the freight market, um, security in your business, cybersecurity in your business from a logistics perspective. Like we touch on everything and all this is centered around being an entrepreneur in logistics, not working mm. for someone's company. Right. Right. But how you should be setting yourself up for success in business as an entrepreneur. We talk about TMS system, transportation management software, warehouse management software, WMS, uh, EDI compliance, electronic data interchange, uh, what softwares you have in your office. Make sure you're not just purchasing something to purchase something. Low boards is probably like 10 minutes of what I talk about <laughs> in my business. And, right. and, and that's just coming from a perspective that if you're doing business with a client and you're telling them you have dedicated service, even if you're an asset-based trucking company, um, ultimately the low board is a tool to help you do your job. So low boards is for excess freight that you can't get covered. That's not where you should be making your money from as an asset-based trucking company. You should have direct contracts with your clients. You should be going directly to the door, knocking on it yourself. If you got a truck where you're paying all the bills and all the expenses for. That's a fact. Do you find that your, 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 your students come for all that or are they coming for one thing and then you're exposing them oh, to this whole world? Man. Cause I mean, you, you, you just ran, you just ran down a whole lot. So I'm sure they're not coming to you. Like I want to learn EDI. I want to learn TMS. I want to, they're not, they're not coming with all that. Oh man. You're going to make my students be mad at me. Let me tell you what my students come to me for. They come to me for freight broken and dispatching. If one more person come to me talking about no knock to you, cause I know you got a successful dispatching business. That's not what I'm talking about. But if one more person come to me about, they just want to start a dispatching company. I'm going to blow my top. <laughs> That is the beginning to the business. Okay, yes, you can scale it out and you can make quite a bit of money. That's not what I'm saying. But ultimately, yes, when they come to me, they come to me for dispatching and freight brokering. But then when they come out of there, they don't even want a freight broker anymore. They don't even want to dispatch. They're immediately talking about warehousing and cross-docking because I don't think people understand that you don't have to have an authority to own a warehouse and Mm. to provide logistic services in that warehouse. Wow. You, you're expanding people's minds, man. You're expanding their mind. Absolutely. Because as I as you as I listen to you, I'm like, man, I, I know these people aren't coming here for that. You know what I mean? They, they're not thinking <laughs> that they're going to get all of this. No, they are not coming from that. Like, I'm serious. Like this last class, I had seven students and every last student, uh, four of them already have their own businesses. Like they're oh, wow. in dump trucks uh, or trucking or dispatching. Um, and they've been in the business for a while, so they understand the industry and all seven of them said, we go, we went from Thursday to Sunday, Sunday at three o'clock, they stopped me and said, stop, 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 stop. I said, 
is everything okay? They said, listen, we can't take no more. Don't give us no more information. <laughs> you know, all, <laughs> you don't gave us so much. Like we just like, and they literally said, we came here for two businesses and you literally gave us like 13. Right. And they're right. all centered around logistics and trucking that we don't think about. And my, my, this is my conversation when I talk about trucking. You can buy a truck if you want to do your thing. Don't let me tell you no difference. Everybody's an adult. But trucks in this day and time in the market is a liability versus an asset. And if you come to my course or you take one of my courses, I will surely explain to you how. You got so much overhead with trucks. You got drivers. You got fuel. You got maintenance. You got all this. And you got to keep buying a truck to make money for the first truck. Buying a truck to make truck for the second. Make money for the second truck. And it just keeps going. You lose all of that when you step over into logistics and not trucking. There's a difference. Mm. Hope is dropping diamonds. She's dropping bombs here, y'all. She's drop. I hope. I hope everybody's paying attention. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I hope y'all have paid attention. There's a big uh, difference. There's a big difference. Wow. Um, there's a study out right now. There's a uh, um, there's a article out put out by CNBC back in June of 2020 that states that there is one billion square feet needed for privatized warehousing. Mm, one billion square feet. One billion square feet needed for privatized warehousing. And that would be because of the pandemic that greatly increased that number. But now that clients um, saw just how devastated they were, they couldn't get their cargo into the United States when everything shut down or they were slower to get here. Now everybody wants to hoard their freight in place and as mm. well take as many trucks off of the road. So there's not as many truckloads due to global warming and sustainability efforts. So with that need, clients are needing their freight stored near their distribution, manufacturing facilities or their stores. They're needing those services. Right, right. That's a fact. Own nothing, control everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. And then, yes, clients can very well build their own warehouse facilities. Absolutely, they could. But why would they do that when it's more cost effective or efficient to just contract to a 3PL? Wow. Wow. OK, OK. Educating, you, you educating me. I might have to holler at you after the show. We might I might have to take your course. <laughs> You you opening my mind. Hey, well, come on. Come I love on. it. I come love on. it. I love it. Yeah. All right. So let's let's talk about. I mean, I, I kind of already, you know, could kind of see the future of HD White Logistics, but I always ask, what's the three to five five year plan? We we talked about um uh uh the the space that you're getting. Tell tell me about some more of your dreams. What else are you thinking about? What's in your because you're a manifester, as you said. What right. else you got going on in your head? So I'll just shoot it straight. So our next goal is of course we're gonna do the, the container storage and then next warehousing cross docking. Um then next we want to go on the international level of custom brokerage. Um and then from there we want to be logistics over in Nigeria and Kenya. Why, why, why Nigeria and Kenya? You know, you said two specific countries. So I need to know why those two African countries. You need to do your research to find out the new business that Nigeria and Kenya is doing with the United States. Mm, all right. Yeah. Yeah. I got some homework. Nigeria and Kenya. OK. Could, can you give us a little bit of a hint? Uh-uh. <laughs> do your research. Uh-uh. uh-uh. All right. 
Hope but I, I, and I just want to work with with my people from Africa. I'm just gonna be honest. I would like yeah. to put a logistics terminal over in Nigeria and or Kenya. Yeah, well, um, Kenya and Nigeria are both extremely civilized. Um, yeah. You know, and and, they, and they're definitely doing a lot of things. Um, so yeah, that that sounds like a that sounds like a good idea to me mm-hmm. for sure. Absolutely. Um, all right, and then and then and then I guess my final question. Um, well, not my final question, but we're going to start kind of wrapping it up. So what I, what I need you to do first is I need to let everybody know where they can connect with you. Cause you've been dropping jewelry, the whole show. And I know, <laughs> I know everybody going to be blowing you up after this show. I know. it. All right. So let, let, where can they find you? Where can they connect with you? Let's start with that. And then after that, we got to get that final thought. I need that final thought. So All right. So, um, my slogan for my business is if you've got that weight, let us move that freight. So for business inquiries, if you want us to move your freight as a logistics provider, you can find us at www.hdwhitelogistics.com. If you're interested in taking our course, it's logisticallyspeaking.online. We have online courses there. Our next in-person course won't be till April of 2021. Um, If you're interested in a consultation with myself or one of my managing partners, it's hopewhiteconsulting.com. You can book there and then you can find us on social media on ig it's at hd white logistics um linkedin is hd white logistics um and then on facebook facebook it's at hd white logistics and then we're also on twitter at hd underscore llc nice and then finally the final thought i know you're gonna leave us with something powerful let's go i'm, I'm ready for it <laughs> um in logistics it's never about um, quantity. It's quality. Keep that in mind. In logistics, when you're targeting your customers, don't focus on the quantity. Focus on the quality of service. And the quantity will come. Mm, I like that. So quality over quantity, and then the quantity will follow right. after you put the quality first. Correct. I love it. Hope White, thank you so much for joining me today on Trucking. This has been dope. Did you have fun? Oh, man, I had a good time. I was I'm just rolling now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I feel like we could have had this conversation for like another hour. And I might might have to bring you back because we we, we were flowing. I I, I love this. But, you know, I got to keep the show a little concise. I don't want to go over time too much. But I I appreciate you so much. Um, Continue success. Keep on taking over the world. Uh, you know, eating that elephant one bite at a time. One bite at a time. Cause, cause ain't nothing going to stop you, and I can see it, man. No. I, I, I appreciate your time so much. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you. All right, hustle fam, we are out. If you like what you heard, it's only going to get better. Make sure you subscribe and leave us a comment. Let us know what you want to learn or hear more about. Till next time, love is love. Truck and hustle.